Well, I do want to worship. I want to worship. I do want to worship. And I also want to welcome uh, our uh, online worshipers today. And um, I want to uh, just welcome again all of you. I want to say it. If I haven't already said it to you individually, I want to say it to you collectively. Happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, a mom is an extraordinary creature, isn't she? If you're sitting by a mom, just say, you are an extraordinary creature. One, go ahead, right now. Okay, good. <clears throat> I mean, think about it. She, she carries a child in her literal body, or if not in her body, in her heart, as she awaits adoption. And uh, if that's not enough, right, once a child is born, it's like she's only just begun to serve. She feeds the child, and she cleans the child constantly, and she soothes the child, and she bandages the child, and she teaches the child, and she disciplines the child. And even when she's not actively with the child and serving the child, there's a pretty good chance she's thinking about the child or praying for the child. I can remember I had not been a dad for very long when our baby Drew seemed to be like choking on some kind of food. And uh, he looked like he was about to spit it up, you know, and I was like kind of going like this. And I look over, my wife Julita had her hand out, and she actually caught that unholy glob in the palm of her hand. Moms, raise your hand if you've done that before. Moms, raise your hand if you've done that today. Yeah, okay, maybe on the front row here. Um, I mean, just think about that. Like, how weird would it be in middle school if your guy that you're eating, like, lunch in the cafeteria with starts choking? I mean, how weird would that be? Or a, or a co-worker at a corporate retreat for you to stick your hand out like that. And yet, and yet moms do that all the time, and sometimes dads too, I know. And, and, and for that and for thousands of other reasons, today we are so pleased to honor the sacrificial love of the moms among us. And to talk about, we're going to talk about two subjects today that I think are so important to so many faithful moms that I know. And that is, we're going to talk about family, and we're going to talk about prayer. In fact, we're going to talk about family and prayer, but we're going to talk about them together. Uh, I want to introduce this four-week series we start today. And I want to introduce it. I wish I had a screen up here and I could show it to you. But it's probably one of the most iconic commercials of my childhood. Uh, so I want you to imagine this commercial. And in this commercial, you've got one teenager walking down the sidewalk and he's carrying an open jar of peanut butter and he's eating peanut butter out of the open jar. And then from the opposite direction, there's another guy and he is eating a chocolate bar. And then all of a sudden, a pretty girl walks by. Both of the guys look in the direction of the pretty girl and they run into each other and the chocolate bar runs into the peanut butter, okay? And initially, they're very frustrated and the chocolate bar guy says, you got peanut butter on my chocolate. And the peanut butter guy says, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. But then they taste it, and what miracle happened out of that? Anybody know? Reese's, Reese's peanut butter cup. That's right. Uh, and, and the tagline is, two great tastes that go great together, unless you have a nut allergy, of course. And so um, this morning... As we launch this new series, I want to talk about two great things that grow great together, and that is prayer and family. Think about it. Sometimes when we say, I'm just going to take some time to pray, maybe. Maybe in the morning, maybe the evening, I'm going to take some time to pray. What's one of the first things that pops up when we start to pray? 
It's our family, right? It's the people who are close to us. And then often when our family members are going through hard times, especially if they're distant from us, what's one of our first instinctive, reflexive reactions? It's to pray for them. Two great things that go great together. And so on, on this morning on Mother's Day, when family is very much on our mind, I want to launch this new series on the Lord's Prayer. We're calling it The House That Prayer Built. And uh, we're going to examine this beautiful prayer the Lord gave us. You've just prayed it. It goes in by different variations, by the way. And so I hope that doesn't throw you off too much. Uh, but what we want to do in this series is we want to look at the Lord's Prayer and we want to learn some new ways the Lord's Prayer can teach us to pray for one another and how the Lord's Prayer can help us uh, live lives that honor God. Now, just, let's just kind of have this little agreement. When I say the word family, okay, family could represent mom, dad, and, and 2.2 kids, okay? But, but family could represent you and your relationship with your parents or you and your relationship with your siblings. Or, or it could be uh, friends that are so close, they're, they're like family. And so we'll let family be that kind of broad term for us today. And, you know, often when we pray for our families, we pray for specifics. We pray for SAT tests or medical tests or things like that. But over this series, we're going to pray some big categories. We're going to pray that we would be families that worship God, families that serve God, families that live humbly before God, and families that live wisely before God. And we're going to do this with the Lord's Prayer. Um, now, a little bit of background on the Lord's Prayer. First of all, there are two versions of it in, in your uh, in the Gospels. One is in Luke 11, and the other is in Matthew 6. In fact, in Matthew 6, it's, some people say it's the fulcrum in the middle of the, of the Sermon on the Mount. It's at the, it's at the very center of this amazing teaching of Jesus in Matthew 5 through 7. And there's, like I say, some minor variations, but I think you'll find there's a marvelous consistency. I almost get the feeling that Jesus prayed this prayer a lot, and that's why we have some different versions of it. And so today, we're going to talk about just the first part of the Lord's Prayer, what it means to be a worshiping family. But before we launch into that, I just want to give a little advertisement, so to speak, for praying the Lord's Prayer. I, I want to just share a couple reasons why I think the Lord's Prayer is so important. And the first reason is the Lord's Prayer is a gift to you and me. Jesus gave this prayer to his disciples. In fact, when you look at Luke, they asked him. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, okay, I'll give you this prayer as a gift. The Lord's Prayer, if you memorize it, and some of us have, and, and if not, maybe you could kind of carry this little bookmark that we gave you. But uh, it really helps if you can memorize it because it's, it, then it's portable. It's brief. doesn't take five minutes to pray it. In fact, I timed myself, which is probably a weird thing to do, but I timed myself praying the Lord's Prayer at a conversational rate, and it only took me 30 seconds, even with saying trespasses instead of debts. Uh, it only took me 30, 30 seconds. So uh, it's, it's a prayer you can pr carry with you and that you can pray easily. And, uh, and not only that, it, it's, it's, a, it's a prayer, it's a guide for you. Like how, sometimes we get anxious about prayer, right? Especially if we're new to the life of faith, we're like, prayer? And I hear some of these people pray and they have all these theological terms and, and uh, five-syllable words and I can't do that and I don't know how to pray. Well, guess what? Jesus gave you this gift. He gave you the gift of the Lord's Prayer to teach you how to pray, to, to give you words that you can say. 
Um, and in Luke's version, it says, when you pray, say this. And so there's value to actually saying the Lord's Prayer verbatim, so to speak. But when in Matthew, it says, pray like this. And so you can also use the Lord's Prayer as a guide, uh, almost like a jazz musician might take these different aspects of a song and kind of riff on it. And so you could take the hallowed be thy name part, and you could kind of riff on that for a little while. And you could pray for daily bread, and you can riff on that as well. So the Lord's Prayer is a gift. I think, secondly, the Lord's Prayer is a goal. Several years ago uh, at Regent College in Vancouver one summer, I got to study with a guy named Daryl Johnson, and he's a, a wonderful biblical scholar and preacher, and he wrote a book on the Lord's Prayer, and it's been really helpful to me. So you're going to be getting some Daryl Johnson in this series, and I wanted to acknowledge my debt of gratitude up front. But, but he says this, when, when we learn the Lord's Prayer, it's almost like we're learning how to be a disciple of Jesus. Because think about it, when you walk to the Lord's Prayer, you're, you're focusing on who God is. You're focusing on God's purposes and kingdom in the world. Uh, you're trusting God with your daily needs. You're acknowledging your need for forgiveness and the need to forgive others and your relationships with others. Uh, you're, you're seeking God's wisdom and the struggle with temptation and evil in the world. It's really teaching you what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So all that introduction, thank you for patiently waiting through that, all that introduction, I want to talk to, for the rest of the time about that first part of the Lord's Prayer and what it means to be a, a worshiping family, a worshiping family. Matthew 6, verse 9, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want to ask a question, what does that verse, what does that opener of the Lord's Prayer teach us about worship? And what does it teach us about how we can apply worship to our families? Now, if you regularly, uh, you know, sit through my sermons indoors, you know, I usually have a, a nice flat screen TV and I got pictures and images and all those kinds of things. And I got, I got nada today. And so, uh, and so what you're going to have to do for me is you're going to have to turn your brains into the flat, screen, the flat screen TV. I'm going to give you a little image that I want you to think about. And, uh, and that's kind of the image we're going to build the sermon on. So I want you to create a mental picture for me. And I, that the mental picture that I want you to create is that you live in a one-story house. Now, some of you are saying that is not hard for me to imagine because I do live in a one-story house or I do live in a one-story apartment. So if that's you, you're already two steps ahead of us, right? But if not, if you live in a two-story, three-story, four, whatever, eight-story house, I don't know. But if you live, uh, uh, you know, I just want you to imagine that you live in a one-story structure, okay? And then I want you to, to imagine that one night as you sleep, a, a full and beautiful second floor is lowered down onto your one-story house, okay? Can you picture that for me? It happened while you slept, you woke up the next day, and now there is a second floor right above you. That's the image, okay? What I want us to imagine is that God is up there in that second floor. In fact, if, you were to, if I were to summarize the sermon in a sentence, it would be this. What prayer does is prayer adds a second story to your one-story life. Let me say it again. Prayer adds a second story, a second floor to your one-story, one-floor life. You see, it's so easy to live our lives as if our life is kind of that ranch house, right? One floor, one floor only. There's basically earth, and that's all there is, okay? 
And so much of our society lives in a one-floor house, so to speak, a one-floor world. Maybe you read uh, recently a Gallup poll came out that says the number of Americans currently affiliated with a church is just 47%, less than half. Guess what? That's down from 68% just 20 years ago. I mean, when I came here, right, when I came here uh, to, to this church, I mean, it's like we've, as, a, as a nation, we've lost a percentage point a year. And guess what? This trend is especially true among teenagers and among younger adults. Increasingly, it's like so many of our fellow Americans live in a one-story world. The sky, in essence, is the ceiling, and we are home alone without God. But in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us two powerful truths about a life of worship just in the very beginning. The first truth I've already mentioned to you is that our Heavenly Father lives on the second floor, okay? There is a vital second floor, and that's where our Father lives. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to begin this way. Our Father who art in heaven, our Father who lives on the second floor. And I love how those two words go together. Father, which is a word that communicates love and warmth, and heaven, which is a word that communicates glory and majesty. I don't know if we can fully realize what a revolutionary thing it was for Jesus to teach his followers to pray to a heavenly father, or in, in the, his, Jesus' uh, native tongue, it would be Abba, Abba. You see, in the ancient world, people didn't get warm and fuzzy feelings about the gods that they worshipped. Uh, in the ancient world, the gods like Zeus and Apollos and those, those folks, I mean, they were, they were very nasty. They were very temperamental. Uh, they were always doing mean things to human beings. And, and they were jealous of one another. And they, the, the, the gods always fought one another. And human beings lived in terror of the gods. And, and they were constantly trying to appease the gods and buy them off with, with sacrifices and with offerings. And here Jesus comes along and he teaches his followers to pray to, to, to a loving Abba, to a loving Father. And by the way, not just my Father. When we pray, did you notice, we pray our Father. So even to pray the prayer is to recognize that we're part of this large family. So what is this Father like? Well, Jesus in John 14, 9 says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So you want to know what God the Father is like? He's just like Jesus. My, my professor, Daryl Johnson, once again says, God the Father is just as good, just as gentle, just as kind, just as approachable, just as vulnerable, just as welcoming, just as generous as Jesus. Isn't that good news? And this Father lives right upstairs. <laughs> He lives on the second floor, but he also lives in heaven, right? The second floor is heaven. So we have to remind ourselves that our loving Abba Father lives in a place where he's worshipped nonstop by angels, where angels appreciate and understand his holiness and greatness and glory. Right? Our Father lives in the second floor. Now, I know, I know this, that that word Father can be a charged word for many of us. 
when we think about our human parents, we each have a different perspective. And I, I realize that. Like in a, in, a, in a group this size, I know there are some of us who grew up without a father or mother in the home. There's some of us who grew up with wonderful uh, parental role models. I certainly did. There's some of us who grew up with terrible parental role models. There's some of us who grew up with mixed parental role models. There's some of us who grew up with wonderful role models, but they left us too soon. Right? Well, whether your role models have been present or absent, good or bad or mixed, right? All of us, all of us need a perfect father. All of us need Abba Father. We need Abba Father's authority because we can get out of line. And we need Abba Father's care. And as strong as we are, as seemingly competent as we have become, we never, ever outgrow the need of a father's love. So let me ask you this question. Think about family, whatever family represents for you. What would it mean for you, what would it mean for your family to live as if God is on the second floor? God exists. God is in heaven. And God loves the whole house. I mean, can you imagine if God was on the second floor? Wouldn't you spend a little more time listening? Wouldn't you be a little more quiet? Wouldn't there be a sense of worship and awareness of God that would kind of permeate the whole house? So, So first thing is our heavenly Father lives on the second floor. Second thing is, our Heavenly Father deserves the honor from the whole house. This is key. Because what comes after our Father who art in heaven? It's not a trick question. What comes after our Father who art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. That's right. Your name is honored in our whole home. Your name is honored by us. In other words, this is really important. God is not just some tenant who lives on the second floor and has his own fridge and microwave and a separate exit, and he comes and goes. We hardly ever see him, and we don't, you know. No, God is not a tenant. God owns the whole house, right? To to hallow God's name is to live in an attitude of worship. It's to let the respect and honor of God flow through the whole house. That's why we pray hallowed be thy name. Some little kids think God's name is Harold, right? Harold be thy name. But it's not Harold. It's, it's hallowed. What does hallow mean? Well, hallow is a, a very close cousin of words like holy or sanctify or glory or glorify. You see, one of the most important character traits of God is that God is holy. God is perfect. God is faultless. God is, is sinless. God is majestic in splendor and in, in beauty. And because of who God is, when we worship God, you know, we, we truly seek to acknowledge his glory. And so to hallow God's name is to, is, is to holify God's name, is to treat God's name as, as holy. It's to glorify God. I've, I know I've talked to some of you before about one of my favorite Hebrew words, and it's the word kabod, um, uh, K-A-B-O-D. Have you ever heard the word Ichabod? Uh, Ichabod has kavod or kabod in it, and it means uh, it's the Hebrew word for glory. And literally, kabod means weighty. By the way, Ichabod means no glory, and it's not a, not a good name. Uh, but uh, but kabod means means glory. It means weighty. Our God has a weightiness about Him. Right? Our God has a gravitational field. Our God has a gravitas. Our God has a a weighty significance that makes everything else in the universe look like dandelion puffs 
compared to God. I mean, you wouldn't want to play seesaw with God, okay? Because when God sits down, there's just no telling uh, where you're going to be launched to. And so when we hallow God's name, what we're doing is we're acknowledging God's weightiness and significance in our lives, right? So, so, so to hallow God's name, we would never say, hey, look, you live on the second floor, we live on the first floor, right? You can do whatever you want up there, but this is our floor down here, and we're going to live life our own way. No, 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 no. No, when we hallow God's name, we say the whole structure belongs to you, right? It is your house, right? This house, Lord, is your house, and we want to honor you. I can remember when my mom uh, went back to work at my dad's company. My brother and I, uh, he was in junior high and I was in high school. And we were told, like, when we got home, we needed to put our things away. Even though our parents weren't going to be there, we needed to put our things away. And we needed to have the table set and ready to go by the time my parents pulled in the driveway. And uh, so when we got home, my brother and me, what do you think we did? We dropped our stuff wherever it was. We got snacks that we weren't supposed to eat in the family room. We came in the family room. We turned on Gilligan's Island, and we basically just put our feet on the furniture and lounged around, right? And every now and then, my brother would say, what time is it? And I don't know. I don't know, you know. And then we would hear the squeal of the tires in the driveway. And my brother and I would look at each other, and there was just like panic, and get your stuff, and, and, and will you, you set the table, and I'll get our stuff. And we would just be like, you know, moving so quickly to try to pretend like we had been honoring our parents' direction while they were not home. We act as if we own the place until our parents came home. We didn't give their instructions the weight it deserved. And sometimes we can do the same thing in our lives, can't we? We can live our own selfish agendas throughout the week, and then if we make it to church or tune into church, it's a scramble, right? It's a, oh, yeah, 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 God, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. And, uh, and everybody get ready really quickly, and let's let God pretend, uh, think that we really are honoring him. And so, and so in the time that remains, I just want to ask the question, right? Like, how can these two great things go together for us? How can worship be a part of what we do as individuals and as a family, right? But what does it mean to live in that two-story house? What does it mean to let God's holiness pervade the first floor as well? How can we hallow God's name? Well, I just want to throw some suggestions out here. I think that we can seek informal and informal ways as a family for God to regularly be acknowledged in our midst. And so don't think of these as like legalism or laws. Think of these as maybe suggestions and maybe God might prompt something in your heart through them. But one of the things that you can do is you can make worship uh, in person or online a, a weekly priority and even like prepare for it. So you kind of come in with your heart rested for it. A real simple thing you can do is pray at meals with one another. You can pray for one another. This is really simple. You can ask one another, how can I pray for you this week? Another really simple thing to, 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 that you can do is you can say, what are you thankful for? What, what can we thank God for that's going on in your life? In fact, we've got a little experiment. You'll hear more about it that we'd love for you to consider. Is that we've just created an online a prayer guide that, that goes with the Lord's Prayer, and maybe even just sort of reading through those prayers individually or even together as a family. 
uh, is a way for you to acknowledge that God lives on the second floor, that God owns the whole thing. And so we pray, Lord, hallow your name. In other words, God, exalt the beauty and power of your name in, this, in my circle of influence, Lord, as well as around the world. And you also pray, God, help me to hallow your name. Help me to treat your name as precious. Uh, you know, help me to give you the praise and honor you deserve. Or maybe we pray, Lord, hallow your name with my son or, or daughter or mother or father or brother or sister. Lord, hallow your name with them. Make yourself as real as a shepherd who loves and leads his sheep with my father or mother or, or son or daughter or brother or sister. Or maybe you say, Lord, my family member is living a secular life right now. They're living in a one-story universe. Lord, would you make your holy presence known? And Lord, would you help me live a life of worship as well so that even though I'm sinful and imperfect, somehow your holy presence will reflect off my life. If you're a Christian, I just want you to know your, your heavenly Father lives right above you in heaven and he loves you so much and he's holy and he wants you to live in such a way that you're consistently hallowing God's name that you're giving God the honor that he deserves. I can remember when I was a kid, you know what would make me mad? If some kid insinuated that he thought his dad could beat up my dad. I'm like, you, you know my dad? He's like 6'2", he's boxed in the army. There's no way your dad could beat up my dad. I mean, those were fighting words, right? Nobody says anything about my dad. And I, I probably I, it actually carried some of that attitude into adulthood. In fact, it was, it was many years ago now that I was privileged to speak at my dad's retirement party. And I had to pray about that. I mean, like, you probably should always pray before you're supposed to speak at something. But I had to really pray about that because I knew that there were men in the room who had not treated my father as a co-worker like I thought he deserved to be treated. There were men in the room who took credit for things that he had done and had not honored him. And I did my best not to call those men out. I, I know that I would not have honored the good name of my father if I'd embarrassed him that way at his retirement party. But I will tell you this. Right? As a son, it was my highest priority to let everybody in that room know that my dad's name is a worthy name. I let everybody in that room know in no uncertain terms how deeply proud I am of my father. And friends, that's my earthly father. What about our heavenly father? So what am I saying? Am I saying we should beat people up who speak bad about God? No, no, no. Jesus taught us to bless and pray even for our enemies. So, so no, I'm not saying that at all. But I do think in the heart of every child of Abba Father, there's a fierce loyalty to Abba and a fierce gratitude as well. What our world needs, what I need, is this prayer. I need this prayer that reminds me that I'm not fatherless in the universe. I have an Abba Father. He knows my name. And the more I get to know him, the more that I speak with him, the more I discover who he is, the more I realize that I'm not alone. He's right on the second floor and he's holy. And on Mother's Day, on Mother's Day, right, I just want to publicly thank God for moms who've led us with a heart of worship. 
I mean, I'm not saying anything negative about any of you dads out there, I promise. But I know so many moms who are basically, when it comes to the C-suite of the home, they're the CPO, man. They are the chief prayer officer, among other things, of the family, right? The chief prayer officer. And I am just so thankful for moms who learned early on that they could not protect their family members from all the messiness of life, but they could pray. They could, they could drop to their knees and they could pray. And can I just say this? Maybe today uh, we can make those moms proud, right? Uh, we could see our lives through a new lens, <laughs> one where God is everywhere, where God's presence is everywhere, where God's honor is preeminent, right? We could live every day on the first floor with a loving and grateful and worshipful eye to the second floor. And we could every day say, Our Abba Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Heavenly Father, that is our prayer. We want to hallow your names today. Lord, I thank you so much for families, for every kind of family that's represented here, Lord. I thank you so much for the gift of this prayer, how we need it. And Lord, today specifically, I thank you so much for the gift of your presence and the privilege as well as the responsibility of worship. Lord, let us know today that we are not alone, that you're with us, that your presence is with us, and that your presence is holy and loving and glorious and deserving of praise. And Lord, may a spirit of worship permeate every family, every home represented here. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.